Hello and welcome to the podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. I'm Ben Beckman, Senior Pastor, and I'm glad that you have tuned in to listen to our services and sermons. We've reopened our sanctuary and would love to have you join us in person at 410 Blake Street in Ray, Colorado for our Sunday morning worship services that begin at 1045, if you feel comfortable to do so. We would also invite you to join us live on Facebook, YouTube, or our website if that's a better fit for you at this time. Please visit our website at raynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information regarding our services. It is my prayer that you experience the presence of God during your time with us, whether in person or online. Again, thank you and welcome to our podcast. Thanks once again for tuning in to the podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. This week's message is entitled The Way, and it comes from chapter 4, verses 18 through 21 of Luke, and Romans 12, 9 through 21. This week I talk about understanding the gospel, living according to the gospel, and loving according to the gospel. Thanks once again for listening. Again, I'm going to say it, it is good to be together, and um, hopefully you don't get tired of hearing me say that. Uh, but it's been, it's been a bit lonely uh, the last few weeks in this context, and um, it's just a good time to celebrate. And um, going into this week and knowing that we were making all these plans to try and reopen, um, the year 2020 has been just a year of, of absolute chaos, and it's been a year of, of tremendous difficulties. It's been a year of fear in a lot of ways. It's been a year of, of challenge. It's been a year of, of, of growth. And all of the ways that, um, that I thought this year would turn out, none of that's happened. Um, I, I've shared with, with many of you that, um, you know, I, my first Sunday was January 6th. I had five Sundays before we went to all online. And so um, I've been, it's been just a weird thing. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm going to have to start all over again trying to learn people's names. And, and while that's not been as hard as I thought, uh, all the connections that you guys have with another, I've got to, to relearn again. So, um, again, bear with me in this. But um, this morning as we to this message, I've, I've entitled it The Way. And I really kind of struggled with the title uh, just because I didn't know quite what to, to name it. Um, I've been really moved and challenged and encouraged and convicted and a lot of different things over the events over the last week or so. And if you've been watching the news even a little bit, you're fully aware of some of these things. If you are on social media at all, you're aware of all of these events and these things that are taking place and these two sides of an issue that, that have come to the surface. And, and the church needs to have an appropriate response. The church needs to, to have a way to encourage those that are, that are dealing with these issues, and they're very real issues. Not only are we dealing with uh, these issues related to, to COVID, um, which have, have started to create a divide in a lot of ways, we've got people that are just thinking that, that the, this virus is, is, is a made-up thing and that it's not real to those that are suffering very real and in real tangible ways. And 
all of these issues that, that fall in between that. We have these race issues that have come up over this, this last couple weeks. While that's not a new issue, just in the way that it's been um, communicated lately has been very real and very hard and very difficult. So when I tell you that, that I've really been wrestling with a lot of this this week, please hear my heart in this, that as I am, am navigating this, as I am asking God to seek and search my heart, um, I'm inviting you to do the same thing along with me. Um, these, these are complex issues. These are not just something simple that we can um, kind of come up with this kind of quick little statement and, and move past. These, these are things that are, are deep, deep-rooted and deep-seated. And long-held political beliefs, long-held social beliefs need to be looked at and examined. And we need to do that fairly and through the light of Scripture. And so in some of those ways, I'm going to endeavor to do that through Scripture this morning. And I've entitled this, this message, The Way. I want to read you an article I found um, by John Piper. And, and he writes this. He says, Because the gospel of Jesus is not an ideology or a philosophy or a methodology or a therapy, but a supernatural inbreaking of God into our lives. I am concerned at how many Christians do not bring it to bear personally, critically, and explosively on the political right and left. It seems to me that too many Christians gravitate to right-wing right -wing Republican politics or left-wing democratic politics because they see some parallel between a political plank and a part of the gospel. It's like saying that the party that uses candles must be the true one because they're shaped so much like sticks of gospel dynamite. The gospel was meant to explode with saving power in the lives of politicians and social activists, not help them decorate their social agenda. Jesus did not come into the world to endorse anybody's platform. He doesn't fit in. He created the world. He holds it in being by his powerful word. He will return someday to judge the living and the dead. And he came the first time to die so that left-wing activists and right-wing talk show hosts would be broken in pieces for their sin and put back together by the power of grace. He came so that from that day on, Jesus himself would be the supreme treasure and authority in our lives. He came so that we would become radically devoted to the glory of God. He came so that the only kind of racial diversity and racial harmony we would pursue is Jesus exalting, God glorifying, and gospel formed. And I, I read that to you this morning because I think in many ways, it encapsulates where we are at socially and politically, where, we've taking, where we have taken these issues and tried to kind of form them into a right and a left, into a, a, a church response and a non-church response, and we just need to come together under the umbrella of the gospel. We need to come together under the umbrella of loving people the way that Jesus did, seeing them the way that he sees them, and being able to act upon that in the way that he calls us to. So this morning, 
as, as we begin and, and try to unfold some of this, uh, my first slide is, um, I have a blank there, understand the gospel. Understand the gospel. Now, I, I can ask you what the gospel means, and I'll probably get a lot of, of similar responses. It's the good news. But as we look at, at, at the root of what the gospel is in the Greek, euangelon, I'm probably butchering that. I'm not a Greek scholar, so don't hold me to this, but we're going to go with that. Euangelon in Greek, which is translated as good news or gospel, combines angelos, the word for one announcing news, and the prefix eu, which means joyful. So gospel means news that brings joy. And when I was thinking about that and, and trying to, to, to grapple with that, I was reminded of a passage out of Luke chapter 4. And if you have your Bibles and want to turn there with me, Luke chapter 4. And these are, are words that Jesus actually uses when he is, is, is before uh, many of these Jewish leaders as he went, has gone back to Nazareth. And he's in the synagogue. He's invited to, to read and he chooses this, this passage out of Isaiah, but he reads it in part. So beginning in verse 18 of Luke chapter 4, Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The essence is found in these few verses. The good news that he is proclaiming is this good news to the poor is freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, those that were probably there and gathered understood that the year of the Lord's favor was this year of jubilee where God kind of erases all debts. Land was returned to original owners and, and all of these things. And so, so that's kind of where a lot of their minds were at. But that's not entirely what Jesus meant. He meant those things, but in a different type of context, in a spiritual context, in ones where those that were poor, it's not poor as far as not having money, but poor in spirit. It was freedom to those who were, who were enslaved, and not just physical chains, but chains being held by sin. It was being able to see, it was sight for the blind, those that, that couldn't see who Jesus was and who he, as he was the Messiah. And it was to release those who were oppressed, those that were held down by the weight of sin, by the weight of others. And so Jesus came to give a very different message than what they were expecting to hear. So as we begin to understand the gospel, 
we need to understand it through the light of what Jesus initially came to do, as we can see it kind of quickly summarized in these few verses right here in Luke chapter 4. As we, as we continue on, as we understand the gospel, we need to now have a response. And we want to love according to the gospel. We want to love according to the gospel. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, in this section, beginning in verse 9, Paul is, is giving this challenge to others to love the way that we're called to love. And I want to read uh, Romans 12, 9 through 21, and then we're going to focus here on the first 15, 9 through 15. Paul says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Got me on this one? All right. Paul, start again in verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As we look at, at verses 9 through 15, we can see that, that Paul is trying to, to get us to understand a sincere love and to have a sincere love. And if we're honest, as I've wrestled through this, I can think back and I know I've responded in times where um, I'm pretty good at learning how to pretend to love others. I'm pretty good at learning how to, to speak kindly, to avoid hurting feelings, and even appear to take an interest in others. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, many times we do that. We do that at times when we, when we disagree with others, when we are around somebody we don't like or that's difficult for us to be around. And we, we've learned to, to kind of put this front, this Christian faith. And what Paul's trying to get us to understand here is this love that he's calling us to live out needs to be a love that's sincere, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love, to honor one another above ourselves. 
So God calls us to this real and sincere love that goes far beyond any pretense, and it goes beyond politeness, and it goes beyond political correctness. It's a sincere love that requires concentration. It requires effort. It requires the hard work that we tend to run away from. This work of the gospel, this loving according to the gospel, requires us to to take an inward look at ourselves and requires us to respond appropriately. As as I've shared with you, I've, I've invited God to just search my heart over this last week in response to trying to, to listen more to what somebody else is saying before I'm just listening to give a response, where I, I, I desire to hear their heart and their understanding and, and desire to understand before I respond and maybe not even respond, but love in a sincere way that promotes the message of the gospel. What I've learned, too, in this is that no individual has a capacity to express love to a whole community, but the body of Christ, together, we have that capacity. And so as we work in this, as we work to love according to the gospel, it requires effort on each one of us to be able to love those in our spheres of influence, to love those that we're in contact with, as Chris challenged us last week, to love those that we see from day to day or time to time. And if there's enough of us doing that, the message and the hope of the gospel continues to advance. Verse, tw- verse 10 here talks about honoring others. And we see that done in a couple of ways. We can honor others Insincerely, we may even do it with our bosses or those that, that we have to answer to in some way. We do it so that they'll reward us. That, or if we're a boss, we do it so that our employees will, will work harder. We do it sometimes to those that, that have a lot of wealth so that they will contribute to our cause. We do it to the powerful so that they will use their power for us and not against us. And we see that played out in many ways. In, in, in our lives around us. But the other way we look at this and the way that, that God is asking us to honor one another, it involves love and this sincere love that Paul talks about in verse 9. As Christians, we honor people because they have been created in God's image, because they are brothers and sisters in Christ, and because they have a unique contribution to make to Christ's church. And we need to work to put others before ourselves. And when we have that perspective, when we are looking at others and seeing them as a created being, as as God tells us in Genesis, that man was created in God's image. If we are looking at one another, talking with one another, encountering one another with that intent, the message and the hope of the gospel continues to be advanced. An eight-year-old boy had a younger sister who was dying of leukemia. And he was told that without a blood transfusion, she would die. His parents explained to him that his blood was probably compatible with hers, and if so, he could be the blood donor. They asked him if if they could test his blood. He said, sure. So they did, and it was a good match. Then they asked if he would give his sister a pint of blood, that it could be her only chance of living. He said he would have to think about it overnight. The next day, he went 
his parents and said he was willing to donate the blood. So they took him to the hospital where he was put on a gurney beside his six-year-old sister. Both of them were hooked up to IVs. A nurse withdrew a pint of blood from the boy, which was then put in the girl's IV. The boy lay on his gurney in silence while the blood dripped into his sister until the doctor came over to see how he was doing. Then the boy opened his eyes and asked, How soon till I start to die? And it's kind of cute and it's kind of funny, but it's also the perfect, in a lot of ways, the perfect image of how we need to be loving one another. He didn't understand that, that just giving a pint of blood would really have little effect on him. But it had a deep effect on his heart and his mind because he didn't quite understand that. He thought he was giving up his life his sister. And are we willing to do the same thing for our brothers and sisters in Christ? For maybe even those that aren't in Christ? Because that's exactly what Jesus did as he lived out this love of the gospel. Living according to the gospel. Romans 12, 16 through 21 begins to outline our response in living according to the gospel. These verses summarize many ways the core of Christian living. If we love someone the way Christ loves us, we'll be willing to forgive. Verse 17 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, Paul challenges challenges us to do this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This act and this process of living the gospel is an act of of forgiving, is an act of understanding. It is an act of inviting others into this this work of Jesus. It is, as much as it depends on us, living in peace with one another. It is speaking the truth in love. We know the truth. Jesus is the truth. And as we communicate that to others, we need to be doing that with this love the way that Jesus called us to. Verses 19 through 21 are a bit difficult. And we see this living out in a way that uh, is in direct conflict to what Paul instructs us to live here. Verses 19 through 21 talk of, of not taking revenge to allow God to do what he wants to do. Because we have a tendency, if someone hurts me, I want to respond in that way. Someone tells me how I should live, I want to live the way that I want to live. 
I want to do what's right for me. And we live in this way of, of subjectivity and not in the truth of the gospel. And, and we are not righteous when we are responding in the way that the world sees that we, that we are expected to respond. But God invites us here to take that response out of our hands and allow him to do his righteous response. He sees the beginning and the end. He is sovereign, he is right, he is just. And oftentimes in our anger, we are not. And we respond opposite. We respond like for like. And we, we're seeing this in, in, in the way that these protests are being carried out. Whatever message that this one side or the other has is, is minuscule compared to responses that are done in, in retaliation to it. So as Christians, we're invited to live out the gospel in a way that points to Jesus. Paul says here, do not repay evil for evil. He, he tells us how we are to see one another, how we are to love one another. That is the way of the gospel that's living out the gospel. And I keep coming back to this theme of forgiveness here. Forgiveness requires probably the hardest work because it's, it's maybe oftentimes admitting that we're wrong and maybe oftentimes admitting that we don't quite understand the other person and, and even letting them off the hook. But Jesus intends that forgiveness to bring us freedom as well. As we forgive others, it, it releases this root of bitterness. It releases these things that we're holding on to, this justification we have to being right, this, this thing we have that, that says, I'm right, you are wrong, fall in line but it invites us back into the way of the gospel. As I was thinking through that, I was reminded of this passage out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. And it says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. As we, as we follow, and live out the message of the gospel, it's seeing people the way that Jesus sees them. It's seeing people in, in ways that, that goes beyond how they're first responding to us and the ways that they've hurt us or, or offended us. But it's seeing them no longer from a worldly point of view because we can do so no longer. If we're following the gospel, we can do so no longer. I want to bring us back to, to Luke chapter 4 and those few verses there. Because this morning, I believe that this invitation and this, this synopsis, this quick summary of the gospel that's visible here in Luke 4, 18 through 21, is an invitation for us to respond in the same way, to live this out today. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Would you do this with me? Would you close your eyes? I want you to, to hear these words. Allow Jesus to speak these to you today. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Open your eyes with me. If we're following the way of the gospel, if we're living the way of the gospel, if we're loving the way of the gospel, what Jesus said here, the audacity he had to say that this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, you are called to do the exact same thing today. Where you should be able to say the scripture is fulfilled in our hearing because you're living this out in front of people. I want to read this to you. This is an article that was written by Brett McCracken. And he says this. It's called The Cruciform Love. If you don't know what the cruciform love is, it's the love, it's cruciform is the shape of the cross. So the cross-shaped love. Cruciform love is welcoming the immigrant simply because they bear the image of God, even if the only thing they bring to us is hassle and possible harm. Cruciform love is praying for those who persecute us, whether it be ISIS terrorists or political foes. Cruciform love. And hateful speech of all sorts and advocating for the image for the image of God dignity for every human being. It is embracing the homeless person despite the smell. Healing the wounds of a soldier, even if he is unjustly arresting us, and loving those we disagree with, even if they don't love us back. Cruciform love means clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger, and ministering to the sick, the imprisoned, and the least of these. Cruciform love is the church financially supporting one another, even if it is costly. C.S. Lewis says we should give financially to the point that it means going without some comforts and luxuries. He says, I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charity's expenditure excludes them. Love that is only convenient and conditional is not love. To love is to go out of your way, to be inconvenienced, like the Good Samaritan, to sacrifice for the sake of another. And that's my heart as I've been praying through all of these things going on this, this past week or so. Is I want this cross-shaped love to be visible in my life. That I want to live it out in the way that Jesus calls me to. That I want to be someone set apart that God is able to work in and through my life. And it is my hope and my prayer that that is your hope and prayer this morning too. Would you pray with me? And as we pray, I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. Father, this morning, we come to you and just ask that you would search our hearts today. Father, I pray that we are able to live the life of the gospel that we're able to love in the way of the gospel. That we understand the gospel because we've been saved by it. 
that we understand that it is joyous news. It is news of great joy. And as we understand it, and as we begin to, to love according to it, and as we begin to live according it would be fulfilled in each one of our lives today. So Father, we invite you this morning to do that with each one of us, to search our hearts, to allow us, Father, maybe today, to invite that love back into our heart and life, to invite you to, to change, to mold and shape us more into your likeness. Father, whatever work you need to do in our hearts today, I pray that you would begin that today. Would you do it now? Would you do it now? We invite you, Father, to do these things in our hearts today. We ask these things, Father, in your name. Amen.